Welcome to this series of podcasts for FinTech CTO Club, a community where tech executives learn and share best leadership practices. Here, Vasil Soloschuk, CEO of Insart and the author of FinTech CTO Club, will discuss burning topics on the FinTech product development arena with the technical leaders in the industry. Today it's episode 8 of our podcast. Our guest today is Andreas Folsom, CTO at BetterWells, that provides automated investment advisory service with a focus on algorithm-based portfolio management. So could you please introduce uh, yourself and uh, what's what's your current role? Uh, yes, my name is Andreas. Uh, I'm the CTO of BetterWells and we are a robo-advising service. Uh, based in Sweden. Uh, we launched uh, for customers last fall, so it's like eight months ago, so we're still in a very early phase. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, as soon as you're like for a few years as, as a city of better wells, so do you, so can you name maybe a couple of differences between uh, a role, your previous roles and this one? So what's the difference? What are the responsibilities for CTO at this stage of the company? Uh, yeah, I would say that one important thing uh, I see as CTO now is to like translate technology, I would say, to the rest of the company. So, so everyone understands what we are actually doing technically. So uh, I think it's important that the technology is not just some black box for the rest of the company, but they should be able to at least in some sense uh, follow what we are doing on the tech side. So um, changes don't appear as surprises or, or they uh, have time to prepare or they, they should also be aware that like something, this is a hazardous feature, something could potentially go wrong here. We need to be careful or whatnot. So I think it's a, uh, it's important uh, part of the role, I think, that everyone has the knowledge, like both to lead technology forward and to spread uh, knowledge about what we do, uh, tech side of the company. Uh, I think uh, uh, that's a big difference compared to be, yeah, I wouldn't say just, inside quotes, a developer, because then you can focus fairly on, on coding and building the technology and building the architecture. But as the lead, you need to uh, make sure that not only the tech side of a company are along with what you're doing, but also the, the rest of the company. Uh, okay. That I see as it. So, um, how big is the, the engineering team at the moment? That uh, uh, we are. We have. Uh, we're not very big at the moment. We're four people, including myself. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. And, uh, you know, uh, how the team is structured at the moment? So do you have like uh, front-end, back-end developers or are they full stack? So what's, what's your uh, approach here to structure the team? Uh, yeah. Me, uh, myself, I'm full stack when I, when I actually develop. Um, then we have one dedicated front-end developer and then we have one resource uh, uh, that is not full-time but he takes more of a um, 
long-term point of view of project. So he is like uh, in charge of uh, uh, cloud infrastructure changes and those kind of things that has more of a long-term perspective. So he's not involved in the incoming issues or stuff that needs to be solved immediately and urgent. So I think that's a really, really good uh, thing to have. That's some, someone who can take that more of a long-term perspective. Uh, and then the uh, fourth resource in the team is uh, uh, building uh, our investment models. So that's, uh, uh, that's kind of isolated from the rest of the dev team, I would say. So, that's so how, how do you split your time between managing the team and uh, actual coding and uh, probably other business uh, business tasks and business issues that you have? Yeah, since we are still quite a small team, managing the team doesn't take very much of the resources for me. It's more uh, as you were into like other tasks related to the company that takes time. Like, yeah various meetings or accounting or uh, whatnot. Uh, so I try to, um, uh, first of all, when I actually code, I try to turn off all notifications. Otherwise, it's not possible to focus. Um, and my other strategy is try to bulk up similar things. So like, now I answer emails or now I, um, what can it be? do some accounting and now I, <laughs> there's a lot of things you need to do in a, in a company. So uh, uh, I think uh, for me, that's a really good strategy to, to bulk up similar things. And also when it comes to development. So now I solved issues that are related to this uh, particular thing in the code. So you don't need to context switch more than necessary because uh, that's, that I think is the worst spending of time. Like you can have a whole day of just context switching and have nothing done. Yes, yes. So do you um, apply any time management techniques like uh, getting things done or something else, you know, more some specifics? What and also uh, maybe do you, do you use did, any did, tools for managing the time? Uh, did, uh, now, my, uh, my uh, personal task management is uh, classic, like uh, to-do list on paper and post-its. Uh, and then the task I share with the rest of the dev team, we use Jira uh, uh, as a task management tool. But uh, um, for me, I think it works best with actual traditional tasks that I can write on a paper really just clumsy and put some post-it somewhere or something. Uh, um, I have tried so many other like task management tools, but I, I, it doesn't stick on me. Uh, I always fall back on the paper. Okay. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah. So I would say that, uh, uh, I think that the most important is that it does, it does the job for you and it gets the job done. Then, then it's a good tool for the task. Yeah. So what are the tools to use uh, for the team, like to manage, to, for communication? Uh, so what are the, you know, the best tools? Uh, we, we use Slack a lot for communication. I think that works awesome. And as I said, we use year of task management. 
um, and up. Sorry. I just need to turn on notification. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, we use Slack for communication. Uh, I think that works really good. And as I said, Jira for task management. Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I, will, I know. Bitbucket for source management. We don't use, we are not that tool heavy. Uh, I think that works kind of good. But like if we see a problem where we need a tool, we will find one. But mm -hmm. I, don't, um, I don't see the point of bringing in a tool just for the tool's sake. It needs to fulfill a good purpose. Okay, okay, cool. So, you know, with the, uh, as soon as the team is currently pretty small, so what's, uh, do you have any formal methodology that you use? So like any sprints, uh, Kanban or something else. So what works the best uh, for that uh, size of the team? What do you think? Uh, we do weekly sprints, uh, which I think works really good. Uh, so we have, um, we use uh, the Kanban boards in Jira and set up weekly sprints and then uh, that adds, ends up in a weekly release uh, where we have the methodology that uh, like when the release is done for the week uh, and we push it out to our staging environment, we have a, a, a one hour session with the entire team where we go through all the new features and the team can test the features and uh, both, both in a bug finding sense and, but also, so everyone gets the knowledge on what's being released in here and how does it work, the things that we are releasing and how is progress going. I think that works really good. Okay, okay, great, thank you, thank you. So another question and topic I have about the technologies that, uh, you know, when, when you start building your product and new, uh, new solution, um, so you need to, from one hand, you need to move pretty fast and you need to select technologies uh, to, to, to move pretty fast. Uh, from the other hand, uh, you need to build a scalable solution that you, know, that you will be able to scale in future. So what was your approach? What is your approach? So how, uh, what, what technologies have you selected to build the, the current product that you have? Why? Uh, you know, taking into account, you know, the speed, the scalability, maybe some other uh, things that you need to take care about. Uh, yes, uh, uh, we have like two mantras, I think, uh, that we try to use when choosing technologies. And one is that uh, you're not Google. Uh, like, even if you need to think big, and as you say, it needs to be scalable, okay. you, you don't have. 10 billion users right now yes. you need to have something that you could change so it scales to infinite amount of users but currently you just need to have the vision on how it's supposed to do it you don't need to build everything super scalable or it you just have need to have the vision on how it should scale in the future 
so I think that's important too. You don't over-engineer things. Uh, I think you see that from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, apart from that, we also try to uh, uh, use like common, like not be on the <laughs> a frontier of using like frameworks, but you need, you want to have something that's used for a while and uh, that you see it's got some stick on the market uh, and in the community. Uh, so uh, um, uh, we try to try to pick technologies with care, um, so you don't like end up in in an end of using something that looks really cool, but then. Uh, you end up being the only one using it. That's that's uh, that's a fear I would have sometimes. So so we use kind of traditional technologies. Uh, uh, React for the front end, like I've, lots of people use that right now. So it feels so as a safe safe bet. Uh, uh, Java uh, supported by Spring for our uh, uh, lots of our backend code. That's also like a big community, well known. Everything works. Um, and for our cloud infrastructure, we have chosen uh, uh, Kubernetes hosted it on Google Cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's also, I think it works really good for, for where we are right now. Uh, so uh, I'm happy with those choices so far, at least, but then you never know. <laughs> okay, okay. So when you say not to over-engineer things, uh, so do you mean uh, that for example, you can stick to more monolithic uh, architecture and keep it simple rather than building, you know, full microservices solution from scratch. So what's, what's yes, yes, I, yes. I, I would say that's uh, from my point of view, that's a typical one of those things. Like, yeah. Uh, um, so we have, um, we have, uh, in some sense, uh, it's not really a microservice, more like a mining service architecture we have done some dividing so far but it's not not taking the full full uh step into a, a real microservice architecture because like the work we see on our current setup to maintain more services it's not worth uh, the effort right now but still um we are constantly uh, regarding the the topic and thinking on that, like we could split this up into more services or this could be a Lambda function maybe, or so, so we're constantly having those topics in mind. Like if this doesn't scale anymore, what could we do then? And, and, and think about that already from start when setting the architecture, but you don't need to invest the time in building it all the way if it's not necessary at the moment. So you spend the resources where they are actually needed instead of spending them on something that you need two or even five years into the future. Because that's, from my point of view, that's not a good way of spending resources. Like spend them on the tasks that need to be solved now. And the other things, as long as you make sure that they are possible in a good way, you can do them later. Okay. Uh, okay, cool, cool. Um, so uh, let's talk about hiring people. So when you need to hire another one software engineer, so what would be your requirements? Uh, what, what are your requirements for the, for when, when you select uh, 
you know, people from a pool of candidates to hire for your company? Oh, that was a tricky question. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, I know uh, it's so many factors. Like the to fit into the team is like very important, uh, and then uh, I would say that uh, regardless if you are uh, front end or back end or full stack or whatever, I think it's important that you have some like broader technical sense so even if you only develop the front end you have some kind of grasp on how the back end works so you like can actually think in those terms and also the other way around it's weird to have a back end developer that don't care enough about the front end so we construct you apis that doesn't work for the task they need to be solved for example okay. um, uh, and personality. I think uh, for me, uh, the like the personality and how you how you think is uh, about, about those things are are much more important than, for example, uh, previous knowledge or or maybe even education. Uh, as long as you have have the technical knowledge that you need and you have the programming experience in some sense. Uh, and the strive to do a good job. I think that's the most important things. Way more important than uh, some fancy degree. Okay, okay. So do you think it's important for uh, software developers uh, to know the business domain, uh, especially in FinTech and uh, when you develop wealth management solution like RoboAdvisor? Um. So is that important? Is it important for what's your opinion? Is it important for software engineer to understand, you know, all the details about the portfolio management, billing, fee billing, etc.? Um, uh, I don't think that's important that you have them from start, but uh, but I think it's important in no matter what you do is that you have the the will to learn the domain you are working on. So that, you, so that you're not working on the task that you are assigned without thinking about the broader concepts or, or what's surrounding uh, the thing that you are actually working on. So um, I, I think that's more of a personality thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so that no matter what domain you are, you're in, you should, you should be interested of the domain. Otherwise, you should not work in it. So, uh, do you have a product manager at the moment, or head of product? Uh, yeah. uh, yes, we I have a, a, a product manager. So, do I like? Uh, do you rely on the knowledge that your product manager has, or? Uh, yes, when it comes to uh, yeah, like uh, domain-specific tasks, then he's the go-to guy. Uh, but then. Since we have been working on it for a while now, uh, like the entire team are now have enough knowledge to question uh, what the pro, uh, product manager says, and we can have like good discussions. Like, of course, when you start and you don't have the domain knowledge, then it's hard to question the one who sets the specs. Uh, but as soon as you build up knowledge, uh, that is possible, and I think it's also good. Uh, so that you uh, mm -hmm. have a, a good discussion on things. 
Okay, okay, great. So let's speak a bit a bit about the integrations. You know, when, when you build a fintech solution, you need to do many different integrations, like with custodians or market data providers or with some payment systems. So actually, uh, I am, if you could name a couple of major integrations that you have done and uh, what are the major issues and things to take care about when you do integrations based on your experience? Uh, so far we have like, uh, we have integrated with a few like traditional Swedish finance services uh, to manage transactions and uh, authentication. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it has has not been any any major issues actually. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so I, I don't have much to add on that one. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no. So, it's been quite seamless. Uh, uh, of course, it's like uh, from a when you are used to uh, modern frameworks, uh, we have stumbled into integrations where they rely on file transfers as an API, for example, which mm -hmm. uh, feels kind of weird nowadays, but okay. it, it's just to do it. Uh, uh, so apart from that, we have not had any, any major setbacks on the integrations we have done so far. So do you provide any, any uh, API yourself or it's not... Uh... What you need to no it's in our it's in our roadmap but it's not uh, it's not there yet okay okay good so um, let's talk a bit about the I mean the uh, product that you developed so actually as I, as I understood it's a robo advisor for b2c so what the difference uh, between your your product and you know other other products on the market uh, we are more focused on the US market and we've seen uh, many different uh, robo-advising solutions like bigger, smaller, some of them are focused on retail market, some of them are more for financial advisors to manage their clients and their business. So what's, what's your uniqueness? So what's, uh, if you describe what, who are your clients in general? So what's your product strategy? Uh, we, we try to, um, so first of all, we have um, multiple product strategies, both to sell directly B2C and to sell through distribution networks, like okay. what we call our third party integrations, where we okay. white label our service and provide some extra features for those. Um, okay. And uh, where we go to our uh, B2C model, it's a... Uh, uh, where we are differentiating us is that we are targeting a bit like um, customers with a bit more uh, assets. Uh, so we are seeing uh, like traditional private banking services more as a competitor than uh, uh, many other robo advisors. Uh, so, okay. So we, uh, so we are trying to compete with a with a sophisticated investment model and a, and a good service more than only on uh, for simplicity and price that you see that many others uh, use at their uh, selling points. So what do you charge at the moment for managing accounts of your, of your 
I actually need to look on the website. Uh, uh, we charge uh, uh, zero point. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have it somewhere. Yeah, I suppose it's some fraction of basis points. Yeah, exactly. The portfolio. Yeah. I think it's uh, 0.69% or something. Okay. No, zero. 0.75%. Okay, okay, got it, got it. All right, so um, so back to your CTO role. So what do you think is the biggest challenge in the moment for yourself in this role? Uh, I think it is uh, right now is uh, uh, to leverage the rest of the company because uh, our our of course that's the biggest thing for most companies is to, is to grow but for us it's like particularly like now we have been uh, in a long like phase initially of uh, building and doing a lot of legal work and now we are targeting customers finally so it's growth 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 is our goal so uh, me as the cto and the rest of the tech team like the the most important thing is for us is to uh, leverage the people that are uh, facing customers uh, and making sure that we can attract customers and that we can market to customers and that we can reach customers. So, um, so uh, to see uh, technology as the service provider for the rest of the company that can ensure that they can do what we need to do now to bring the company forward. Uh, so it's important so you don't fall into the loop to build tech just because it's good to build tech that you mm -hmm. constantly think what, who you are serving and why. And uh, so what the product management approach that you have, I mean, like gathering feedbacks or relying on your own opinion or you know, relying on the which, industry, uh, like market analysis or some market research. Which, or, mm -hmm. We try to build as much as possible on feedback that we can get from actual users or potential users. But um, of course, you need to take in other data sources as well to get get enough data to get something reliable. And then you, it's as you said, you can, we use uh, like uh, market resource studies, and we also check on what other companies do. Of course, that's that's the good in source of inspiration. Uh, both to for to figure out what you want to do and also for what you don't want to do. <laughs> so, uh, so I think there is many sources of uh, of inspiration and uh, ways to figure out and what to do. Uh, and we try to as much much as possible not base decisions on our own gut feelings because I don't think that's a good way to go. So do you think it's uh, it's better to keep the uh, you know engineering team small uh, and not to you know not to put more resources and focus on the where I mean on on the primary things uh, and 
primary business features that would be de uh, yes. delivered or to scale the yes. team and deliver faster so what's what's your approach here what's your approach? uh i totally believe in keeping it small of course not too small because you need to be able to deliver what you're supposed to deliver but uh, i think it's easy if you grow the tech team too quickly but mm -hmm. the rest of the company don't follow along and you uh, build stuff that you realize that they were not really needed or you have not thought them through enough like if if you have I think it's good for product development to have uh, um, development a bit as a bottleneck because it requires them to prioritize way harder. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So, so of course it it cannot be too small because mm -hmm. then you cannot deliver anything. But I don't think it's a like purpose in itself to just grow the dev team. Uh, yeah. I think there's a point of having a, a long backlog because that requires you to focus. So how will you understand that you need to scale the engineering team? Because, you know, sometimes uh, companies, they have approach like to scale the engineering team to deliver as much and as faster uh, and uh, to build the, some big product to cover all the needs, all the feedbacks. So how will you understand that you need to to scale and grow your engineering team or i mean uh yes uh, <laughs> uh i i think i think you will see it coming uh because uh from our point of view i think it's going to be a very um a, a natural that it happens when we for example uh, see that the third-party integration deal flow starts to roll a bit faster because then we need to have more resources dedicated to work on those integrations or if we see uh, a specific need in some some other area then i think it's a good way to do it or if we get some like mm -hmm. company decision that we need to grow faster mm -hmm. on the tech side but i think it I think it will will it will come quite natural actually. Okay, okay. So another topic I would like to discuss is learning, and uh, actually, you as a technical leader uh, need to you know to learn many different things to be you know updated with what's what's happening in technology and management and business. So do you have particular approach here like? you know, participating in some groups, uh, conferences, webinars, reading books, reading other resources, talking to people. So yeah. what's, what's the best for you to learn? Uh, uh, for me, it's, uh, I use <laughs> Medium blog posts. That's my biggest source of that kind of knowledge. All uh, right. So that's where I spend my hours. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's really good. Like, uh, I, I love to have a quick read on something, and then if I feel that I need to read more, then I can go out and find more information uh, instead of spending like the entire time of reading too much on one topic at a time. Um, so, uh, so blog posts for me, that's the that's that's a big source of knowledge. There's so many good good writers out there. That, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So could you share maybe some one or two approaches that you have read recently and then implemented in your company and it was a success? Maybe some example. Oh. No, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, I think I think what what we do are more of a uh, like mix up of different sort of like sources of inspiration, uh, like something you read here and something you read there, and then you try to mm -hmm. to get the gist out of it and do something that's on your own. Uh, okay, more how we how we roll. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so. Actually, maybe my last question is, so could you, uh, you know, maybe provide a kind of advice to uh, people who are in the early stage of the CTO career or maybe deciding to, to switch from like developer to, to CTO and start a you know, new company. So what would be your advice here? Uh, I would say that it's a thing that we were into earlier that you need to think about that your job is to leverage others mm -hmm. both the other developer and the rest of the company so you don't uh, end up and uh, thinking that you should solve everything by just sitting in code because that's not really scalable and it's not like communication wise good to the rest of the company but to make sure that you you can leverage the rest of the tech team as well as the rest of the company. So what do you mean by leverage? I mean, more specifically. Uh, uh, to give them the resources they need and the knowledge they need. Like, mm -hmm. make sure that you help the rest of the developers to know both what they are doing and uh, what they should do and how they should do things if they need help and discuss it. Uh, as well as uh, helping the rest of the company to like, for example, uh, product manager to uh, uh, to select something to build that is uh, maintainable or uh, or those little tech issues that as long as you are a small company there is always uh, technical issues that maybe are not related to the pro product at all but uh, mm -hmm you as the tech part of the company can maybe solve them in two minutes while some uh, some other person need to spend two days then it's just a bad bad use of time to not go and help them like help the other people in the company spread the knowledge so how would you understand uh, you know that uh, somebody uh, you know that you can help like and spend by communicating <laughs> okay so do you need like to enforce the communication or like, I mean, what if people will start asking you to help with everything they do? Okay, then it could become an issue, <laughs> uh, of course. Uh, so that you don't want, uh, no. Uh, uh, then, then, then you need to go and hide. Uh, <laughs> people start asking you too much questions. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think, as long as you work with decent people, I don't think that's going to become an issue. Like okay. You need to trust the rest of the company. Otherwise, otherwise you, you are in the wrong place. Mm 